Welcome, everybody, to episode 21 of the Web3 Webs Untangling Web3 Webs podcast, hosted by me, Expohiti, aka Spirit Bear. I'm a musician, artist, and farmer, and obviously I'm into all things Web3. And I'm normally assisted here by my co-host, Anointed Steps from One Step to Wealth. Um, but today she's not going to be with me. She's still dealing with uh, a stomach bug that she had. So, you know, Anointed, please continue to rest and recover. And when you're ready, we'll be here. Um, let's see. Today we're going to be going through the fourth presentation from the Web3Web's free self-guided course which you can find by going to web3webs.page. Um, everything there is available for free. Um, if Unless you want to be a part of the live digital studio audience here in Spatial, where I'm actually streaming to as well, because currently I'm streaming on spatial.io, which is a metaverse platform. Um, I'm also streaming to YouTube from there and then on the Colin app from there. So, so at times there may be, you know, things that um, you may not be able to visualize as well um, from not seeing the video. So if you're on the calling app, uh, make sure that you're heading over to YouTube um, or uh, Spatial and getting, you know, able to see the charts and everything that I'm pointing out or just go into the presentation on your own and follow along with me. So let's see here. Today we'll uh, do a quick start also um, of an update from last time for the market. So really quick for that, um, while my computer's skipping a little bit here. All right, so really quickly, um, on Wednesday, I predicted that we were gonna start heading back down. Sure enough, we did. Um, that was, in my opinion, kind of obvious to read. You know, we had just broken out of this trend line here and we needed to come back down to retest it. We did more than retested, in my opinion. We actually broke that uh, back down below it. It looks like we are possibly forming either a channel or a wedge here upwards. Um, yeah, right there. So if you see, if you're looking on YouTube or on the spatial, um, you'll see that I'm drawing a line right now on the bottom of the um, chart where it's, you know, where the, the lowest points are touching. Um, so it's starting out, you know, back here on Friday the 30th at 16,291. And I'm talking about Bitcoin. Um, it came back down again on January, let's see, the 1st at 16,575. Came back down again on the 3rd for 16,627, uh, about. And it came back down again uh on the fifth you know when we were talking about the yeah the fifth was that yeah, no the fourth sorry excuse me on the fourth it came back down again and hit the line um at sixteen thousand eight hundred but instead of going back up and following the trend it broke back below the trend line so now it's becoming resistance again instead of support and i remember last time i talked about how if this becomes um, resistance, we're going to have a lot of trouble getting back above it um, because we needed to hit that, that, that trend line and make it support again and then have a nice healthy upwards movement in order for us to really uh, you know, be sure that we're going to be moving back up even temporarily. Um, so 
the fact that we have come back down, we've retested this line. I honestly think that it's going to continue with my prediction and we're going to start plummeting um, and, and prices are just going to really start dropping here soon. So um, more than ever, I warn you to please get your, your crypto off of exchanges, move it into your wallet if you do plan on holding it. Um, or, you know, just, you know, start uh, stacking up your USDT or other, um, you know, whatever currency you use to exchange for your crypto. Make sure you're getting that set up and put onto the side or even put into limit orders prepared for when the price does drop down and then you're able to take advantage of it um, to the full extent. Because we're not going to be seeing prices like these again for quite some time, if ever again. Um, so I really, I really encourage y'all to start uh, uh, getting ready and start learning. Go through the presentations, all of them. If you haven't gone through them, uh, the past three ones, go through it. Listen to the the uh, podcast and come back with questions if you have any, because you really need to make sure that you're having a full understanding of what's going on here and how this works before everything really starts to take off, um, because they're already starting to implement different laws into you know the different governments across the world including the united states uh to implement cryptocurrencies and cbdc's etc into their different uh financial institutions so we really need to start educating ourselves and prepare so that we're not you know trying to adjust when everything is already happening um or already done basically you know i'm trying to provide a free resource in order for you to be able to do that so um let's continue on to that uh, web3webs.page that's where we're going to be heading so if you're on a browser go to and remember last time we learned about using brave browser so i hope you did use that i hope you're on a brave browser now um you know if you're not yet go ahead and, and look it up brave browser download it you also get paid um bat basic attention token for watching the ads and stuff that come through on there um, but they do protect your data much more than any other uh, browser in my opinion from what I've done research on so I highly recommend looking into it I'm not sponsored by them it's just, just you know from my research so go into your brave browser um, and then type in web3webs.page it doesn't have to be brave browser it could be any browser but um, just sharing that so go to web3webs.page um, then once you're there obviously scroll down to where the uh, presentations were we went through the first three already, right? Basics of finance, Web3 and blockchain, crypto assets. And I hope that you didn't just listen to the podcast. You actually went back and went through the presentation yourself because I've been doing overviews. I've actually haven't gone through the entire thing here on the podcast. And that was on purpose because I want you to actually take the time and read through it yourself, making sure you're having a full understanding of everything on the way through before you move to the next section, because each section is building upon the last and does get more difficult so today since we are on the fourth presentation this is the most difficult um, one and the one that has probably the most information if not it's the previous one because it's the crypto assets uh, which has quite a bit but I am adding a lot more stuff to the NFTs and metaverse section as we speak because I've been doing a lot in those spaces so I have a lot more information that I have to bring into this presentation it's just taking me some time because I have been so active building in those other spaces creating different projects so I haven't had much time to go back 
and actually edit these uh, presentations. Of course, most of the information in there is still relevant. There is some corrections I have to make and things I have to add, but for the most part, everything is still there. Um, let's go through it now. So click on step four, NFTs and the metaverse. All right. Let's see. Okay, yeah, you can see it in spatial. Good, good. Okay, just making sure. And remember, if at any point in time, if anyone has any questions, either on YouTube, the Colin app, or even in spatial, uh, go ahead and you know send them in, uh, or raise your hand if you're in spatial, um, or you know you can even open up your mic and just try not to interrupt me. But um, we will be trying to answer questions live on the show because I'm not going to have much time outside of the show uh, to be answering DMs and questions like that. So, um, you know, it'll take some time for me to get back to you if you do. So please make sure you're taking advantage of this time now while I'm on this show to actually get your questions answered. So, um, all right, let's go through the presentation now. Let's see here. Okay, NFTs and the metaverse. And remember, I did say uh, this is going to be a little bit more than okay, what's going on here. I need a new mouse. My my scroller just does not work on my mouse. All right. So this one does have a lot more. Um, so it actually has six sections instead of five sections as the previous presentations have had. Um, so let's go through it. We've got vocabulary. What is an NFT? How to buy and mint? How to market? The metaverse and closing thoughts. And um, I got to preface this by saying, as usual in my shows, please remember that nothing in this show is financial advice, tax advice, um, you know, legal advice, anything like that. This is all just information that I've gathered and compiled myself from going and testing out these systems and, and working in the space um, for the almost the past three years now. So um, don't take anything I say as like I'm an expert or, you know, I'm a, you know, paid professional or anything like that, like with licenses, blah, blah, blah. No, this is just me sharing the information I've learned, and then you can actually go and do the research yourself to confirm it. Um, so, all right, with that in mind, let's continue on. Let's start out with vocabulary check. Um, obviously, there's a lot of vocabulary here, so I'm just going to go through some of the most uh, prominent ones that I've, I've been hearing a lot lately. Um, well, actually, let's, let's go with digital scarcity first. That's a concept that I feel like a lot of people should understand um, as it relates to the space. So digital scarcity, well, actually, first, gosh, I'm going out of order here. Let me just read this first. Uh, vocabulary. So this is the fourth and largest presentation. If you've not reviewed the previous three presentations, highly recommended for better understanding of the contents in this presentation. NFTs in the metaverse bring a whole new set of words that have different meanings than the usual, but often relate to the previous ones learned. So digital scarcity, a concept created to help bring a value uh, bring value to digital goods by only producing a small amount. By having a very limited supply of whatever is being sold, demand increases and raises the value. This is why oftentimes a one-of-one one NFT will be more valuable than an NFT with 10,000 editions. Um, and this isn't always true. Of course, we do see the rare case where an edition collection can surpass uh, a one-of-one one collection, but oftentimes, you know, collectors do want that uh, that digital scarcity, that, that exclusivity that comes with owning a one of one. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. All right. Yeah, my, my scroller is not working with me today. So let me just do this. Okay, there we go. That's better. Gas fees refers to the fee paid to blockchain miners and validators for processing transactions. 
Ethereum is infamously known for having high gas fees, which is due to how quickly the network grew before it was ready, which we talked about last time, um, and it's explained more later also. So, okay, that's gas fees. Um, here's one that we should definitely talk about, smart contract. A smart contract is a set of written code that follows a specific coding language. They run functions that process, store, and display complex data in a customizable and decentralized manner. Smart contracts used in many ways are uh, are used in many ways, excuse me, I gotta fix that, but are mostly known for use in NFTs. Okay, um, we've got server, metadata, those also apply to NFTs and stuff. Rug pull, that's something that uh, we're hearing a lot lately, right? A rug pull or being rugged refers to a project that promises things they do not deliver on and walk away with everyone's invested money. This has happened more as the space expands faster and people are not aware of ways to avoid getting rugged, such as researching the team and tracking the project's movements on the blockchain. Um, and this has happened because, like I said uh, in the presentation here, the, the space has just expanded so quickly and um, we are now experiencing what's called a bear market because of how quickly it expanded and how many bad actors entered the space without any true intentions of building it so um, we've got ipfs gm which is good morning right uh wag me we're all gonna make it <laughs> um you know so simple things like that uh we've also got um let's see hash codes and numbers vr and ar virtual reality right different things like that. So you can go through, read the definitions there if you need to. Um, and let's continue on. What is an NFT? So some people find it difficult to give an exact definition, but the simplest way to describe an NFT would be a unique digital asset linked to a smart contract on a blockchain. And those are things that we talked about in previous presentations. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, make sure you're going back and listening again, reading through the presentations again. It creates a way for people to exchange assets through a digital space in a more secure way without the need for private companies to act as intermediaries. Peer-to-peer -peer exchange with instant verification, right? So let's continue. Um, here we have Merriam-Webster's Dictionary's definition uh, of, of non-fungible, excuse me. Um, but in my opinion, this doesn't really help much. It's just more of like to, to just show you like how confusing it can be if, if you're not careful. <laughs> so Merriam's Webster dictionary says um, fungible. Fungible is being something such as money or a commodity of such a nature that one part or quantity may be replaced by another equal part or quantity in paying a debt or settling an account. Oil, um, wheat and lumber are fungible commodities. Um, so, yeah, that doesn't really help. Right. I don't know why I wasted my breath with that, but <laughs> let's let's continue on. Um, I have a video here that, from the Wall Street Journal that does actually explain it a little bit better. Um, this is a little bit dated, I think, so it might have some outdated information, but um, let's just go ahead and play it. Let's make sure we're getting the audio. Yeah, we're good. This is me and Kat. Okay, hold on one second. Let me turn it up. Got to turn this up. Of course, you can't see it if you're on the Colin app, so make sure you're heading over to YouTube or in Spatial. If you need to get out of Spatial, you need a spa uh, excuse me, a studio pass. You can pick that up with the links in the description. Uh, let me go to the video, the video, the video. All right, here we go. This is me and Kat. 
He's part cat, part Pop-Tart. The gif of a rainbow-casting feline was a viral meme back in 2011. Fast forward to February 2021, the original gif was sold at an online auction for 300 Ether, the cryptocurrency that powers the Ethereum network. That was equivalent to nearly $600,000 at the time. You may be asking how someone can own the original copy of a GIF that was pervasive around the internet. It's because it was sold as an NFT, or non-fungible token, which acts like a digital certificate of authenticity. The market for NFTs ballooned in 2020, climbing to a market cap of at least 338 million from about 41 million in 2018. Remember we talked about but skeptics market are cap. asking whether these assets are really worth the value assigned to them especially if all it takes to view them is an internet connection. To understand how NFTs work, first you need to understand what fungibility is. Fungibility refers to the ability of an asset to be exchanged or substituted with similar assets of the same value. A simple example of a fungible asset is currency. Say you have five $1 bills in your wallet. You may not want to carry around so much change, so you exchange them for a single $5 bill. The value of your money is still $5, regardless of the fact it's now in a different form. Non-fungible assets are the opposite. Each one is unique and can't be easily substituted for something similar. Think of the Mona Lisa. It's an original piece of art. It couldn't be swapped out for, say, a Mona Lisa poster from the Louvre gift shop because the poster doesn't hold the same value. The idea behind NFTs is that you have this digital signature in the way that a great work of art might bear the signature of the person who created it. So you can always go and look at the original and say, yes, this is the real one, this is authentic. A NFT winds up having that through the blockchain where the information is recorded. NFTs are cryptocurrencies, but unlike fungible cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, they are completely unique. They exist as a string of numbers and letters stored on a blockchain ledger. This information can contain who owns the digital asset, who sold it, and when it was sold. This information is also encrypted, ensuring the NFT's authenticity and scarcity. In doing so, they fix a difficult problem for digital creators on the internet, how to make your creation scarce and therefore more valuable. So with NFTs, you wind up having the scarcity because they are non-fungible and because of that, there's only one of these tokens that can exist. It can't be traded for anything similar because there is nothing similar that exists. And so you wind up getting that scarcity and that limitation, which helps drive up some of the prices. One of the early applications of creating the scarcity was the digital collectible game CryptoKitties, which emerged in 2017. Users were able to buy, trade, and breed digital cat collectibles. Each new cat was an NFT, which certified its originality and ownership. Since then, NFTs have been applied to video games, digital art, and sports memorabilia. One example is NBA Top Shot, which allows users to procure a collection of digital basketball highlights, like a video clip of a posterizing dunk. All highlights are NFTs and have become big business. By mid-March, NBA Top Shot had clocked in over $338 million in sales since it went live in October 2020. Non-fungible tokens are made. And real quick, a note on, oh wait, hold on, I got to turn my mic, mic back on on YouTube. Real quick, a note on NBA Top Shot. Um, please be careful when you're getting into things like that. They also recently came out with an NFL version. Um, the only problem with those platforms is it's very difficult to get your money off 
the platform if you are even able to. Um, so like in order to cash out, right? And that's a very important thing within the NFT space is being able to actually have liquidity of your assets to be able to exchange your NFT for money and actually get it into your account in a short or reasonable amount of time. Um, I've gone through NBA Top Shot. I was actually one of the people who, who you know, were in the beta uh, you know, phases of it. I got some of the first packs that were even released. Um, and yeah, my stuff is still sitting on there because I have really no way to get the money out. Um, you have to have a certain amount of, of money in there to actually pull anything out. Um, and there's like different, there's other like requirements that just make it ridiculous. But even still, um, NBA Top Shot is actually underwater a bit with the SEC because, um, you know, there's a chance that their NFTs could be considered securities because people are thinking that this is a way to invest into the NBA or other uh, aspects of, of, you know, sports. So that is a very, very big thing uh, that you need to be careful of as well. So if you are holding any NBA Top Shot, um, stuff like that, um, try, you know, your best to figure out a way to, um, if you want to actually get, you know, your money back and, and out of there, you know, try, try uh, to do it before the regulations, um, you know, actually get pushed through uh, as far as the U.S. Because once that does come through, there's they're probably going to change the way that everything is done in there. And it's not really going to be an NFT if it ever was. Uh, so that's just my opinion on, on NBA Top Shot. Of course, please go do your research and, and confirm what I'm saying. But that's just what I wanted to share really quick on that. Let's go back to the video making their way into the mainstream art world as well. Auction House Christie's opened bidding for its first purely digital art NFT. Bids rocketed into the millions of dollars. People are really excited about NFTs because unlike with the blockchain underlying Bitcoin, you can do a lot more complex things with it. You can wind up setting terms within it, such as, you know, the original creator upon each resale of this asset will get X amount, or you can take it and you can have an NFT that itself mints other NFTs. And it winds up having all of these really untested applications. Um, the surface has only been scratched in terms of its potential. Along with all the hype around NFTs, experts have raised some concerns. One issue is that not all NFTs verify the person selling a digital art piece is actually the original creator. This is difficult, particularly in online marketplaces. One of the concerns is that anyone can essentially go on a lot of these marketplaces and say, I am the person who created this token. And it can be really hard to verify that, especially if you don't know who they actually are or they're saying someone that they're not. And some are skeptical that ownership alone makes digital assets valuable. When it comes to digital art, a buyer owns the original digital painting but the person can't keep others from copying the image and sharing or changing it online. You've had a lot of scams in cryptocurrencies just historically. And so the concern is that, you know, people are hyping these up. They're saying like, go buy these NFTs. It's great. But in reality, you know, there's always got to be a buyer for there to be a seller. And people might decide all of a sudden, you know, let me cash in my profits and someone's going to be stuck holding the bag. Proponents are bullish on the potential for NFTs. But critics are wary that it may be a digital bubble in the making. And, and it was, <laughs> um, it basically was right. Uh, we saw that bubble, that bubble pop. Um, but of course, just like the tech bubble, 
we're still around, right? The people who were here to build, who were actually here to do something in this space are still around. Um, the people who were here just to make a profit, you know, and, and just for greed, they had no real intention of contributing to the actual progression of the space. Yeah, they're all gone because uh, <laughs> they lost a bunch of money and now, you know, they're hurting. So, you know, they're like, yeah, F, you know, forget the freaking Web3 space and, all, you know, all of that. They're all they're all pissed off. So, um, but we're still here. We're still building, you know, um, we're continuing on. And we're also continuing on with the presentation. So Gary V also has an explanation of NFTs here. Um, this is, I think, a quick video. Let me make sure. Doo -doo -doo. No. Oh, my gosh. Okay, this is a 45-minute video. You can go and watch it yourself. It's a conversation he has with somebody on a podcast about NFTs. So it's a, a much more in-depth explanation. Um if you want to go check that out, go ahead, you know, for yourself on, but we're not going to do that here, obviously. Um, so let's continue. Whoops. Oops. Yeah. My scroller ain't working. Let me continue. <clears throat> All right. So therefore, if NFTs are digital, non-fungible items, then examples of physical non-fungible items would be furniture jewelry paintings etc right so like here's an example um if i sell you a new one-of-a-kind bicycle and then you want to return the bicycle to get your money back because you changed your mind but instead of returning the original bicycle right that one of a one by one of a kind bicycle i sold you right instead of returning that one you return a completely different one well I would not accept it because it is different from the item I originally had since the original is a one of a kind, right? Nor can I confirm that the value of the replacement bicycle you brought me is the same or more than the one I sold to you, right? Because it's a one of a kind. You can't compare it. Similarly, uh, <clears throat> I could, similarly, I could not accept the bicycle once, uh, excuse me, even if the same one is returned, Right, even if it's the same one of one bicycle, but it's returned in worse condition than when I sold it because the value decreased. In this example, the bicycle is a non fungible because it cannot be replaced by an equal part since not since only the exact same item in the exact same condition can be exchanged. Can't just bring me any any old bicycle, right? If I gave you a one-of-a-kind mongoose that, that nobody else has that mongoose out there, and if you know bicycles, it's a mongoose brand, um, and nobody else has that, then, you know, like, you can't bring me, you know, just one of these, like, like a Target brand, <laughs> cheapo little, not Target, that's even more, Walmart, Walmart brand cheapo little, you know, bicycles. It's not the same thing, right? All right, let's continue on. How do NFTs work? So NFTs are powered by smart contracts. Remember, we, we talked about that a little bit earlier on a blockchain, oops, like Ethereum or other ledger systems like IOA, uh, IOTA, IOTA, which is Internet of Things. Um, and there's other ones too, like um, Hedera Hashgraph, you know, Hashgraph technology. There's not just um, blockchain. There's other types of, of open ledger systems um or digital you know dlts D digital ledger technology that's actually something i, I gotta put in the 
presentations. Um, <clears throat> standardized contracts, or excuse me. So NFTs transfer ownership of a digital asset according to the terms of the underlying smart contract. Um, and standardized contract or NFT hosting platforms, you know, forced, you know, different NFTs include Rarible, Taya. Uh, Rarible is for Ethereum and others as well. Um, Taya is for Tezos. OpenSea is for Ethereum and others. Um, I have to update this because they've actually added some more. Um, Solsea for Solana and many more. There's a lot of them. Uh, and there's more coming out every day. <laughs> Fully customizable, uh, so NFTs are fully customizable if you know the coding language or semi-customizable using contract services like Nifty Gateway um, or Manifold, stuff like that. You can actually use like a kind of like a drag and drop kind of thing and it makes the contract for you with um, some general code. Um, note that secondary sales and most, or excuse me, <laughs> I skipped something. Uh, some platforms offer royalty options so note that secondary sales in most cases must be made on the same platform for you to retain those royalties and that's something that a lot of people are struggling with right now right because um so like i talked about using manifold and nifty gateway stuff like that um you don't have much customization of your contract so it's kind of hard to write in royalty structures directly into the code or if you're even able to at all so I, you know, you you should, if you're able to, learn how to write the code yourself, so that you or have someone who can do it, so that you can actually put the royalties into the smart contract itself, so that no matter what marketplace it goes to, as long as they can read the code, it still understands where the money's or, or where the crypto is supposed to go. Uh, and that's something that's very very important you know uh, OpenSea has been getting a lot of heat lately because they actually just recently uh were saying that you know they're not going to honor royalties that are not um, from their own native smart contracts so that's going to be something that a lot of people are upset about a lot of people have stopped using their platform including myself for those specific reasons and others um so that's something that you should really consider all right um what are they used for so NFTs are used for many, many different things, and the possibilities are still, you know, being discovered. Um, we've got art for digital paintings, sculptures, animations, photography, film, and poetry. We've got music, distribution, tickets, merchandise. We've got video games, outfits, items, upgrades, wearables, unlockables, game currencies, right? We've got alternative reality and augmented reality. We've got licenses, certifications, and contracts. Think think about like dis diplomas, degrees, mortgages, car notes, right? We've already got the first Bitcoin mortgage came out a few months ago. Um, we've got proof of authenticity, designer brand items like fashion, exotic cars, uh, precious gems and metals, right? Where you need a ticket, uh, a proof of authenticity for the items you have, you can use an NFT for that. Uh, sports for record keeping, tickets, memorabilia, stuff like that. Um, sports betting, even. You've got NFTs. Uh, collectibles. You can also have, you know, that's actually something that's taken off quite a bit. Uh, trading cards, pop culture things like Marvel, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters have actually had drops of NFTs on the VV platform, V E V E. Um, 
and the coin for that platform is Ecomi. If you if you're interested, E C O M I. That's a little bit of a gem there for you. Uh, not financial advice. <coughs> and yeah, pretty much anything you can imagine can be made into an NFT, right? So that's that's something that um, you know I really want you to take the time and be creative with it. Don't just copy what is already being done in the NFT space. Try to do something new, right? Be creative. Start. You know taking the different things that you have passions for and find ways to creatively combine them and, and then you create something new right um and find ways to you know implement web 3 into that so digital scarcity we talked about a little bit right the idea of digital scarcity is often introduced as many nft collections will set limits to the amounts of pieces in a collection which often increases value um of course it's not a guarantee but uh because there is less available to the uh, public for purchase that does kind of help uh, simply simple supply and demand rules right um, but now they are ap applicable digitally because the blockchain allows for verification of assets so creating an exact duplicate of the data is now possible uh, not possible excuse me so because they can actually track and say oh no this is the original from the original creator um, and you can verify it anyone can verify it across the blockchain all right so that's nfts how to buy and mint and we're going to go through this one very quickly because i don't want to go through all of it um, so you've got how to buy and mint extreme caution and attention to details should be taken when purchasing or minting creating nfts uh, because of the per permanent nature of the blockchain there is no room for error one wrong number or letter or you know picture or anything in a wallet address uh, excuse me yeah one wrong number or letter in a wallet address can mean you lose everything from that transaction one wrong character in the code for a smart contract and your nft will be unusable with no way to fix it so triple check everything um, and test everything right don't just deploy your smart contract directly to the blockchain right away there's things called test nets and we'll get into this stuff later how to buy um Right, so it actually get, runs you through the process of, um, you know, how you can. Um, you must first connect the correct digital wallet to the platform, and how to do all that. Right. Also, some safety tips, um, like uh, I'll give some right now. Uh, so never keep your entire portfolio in one digital wallet. It's best to spread it out across multiple wallets and multiple blockchains in case something happens to one of them, and keep your crypto holdings in separate wallets than the one your nfts are minted from uh, because you know you don't want an attack on your wallet from when you're minting your nft and then they actually get hold of all your assets um, avoid using brand new platforms that have not gone through proper beta testing stages uh, that's something that you know is very critical too you know there's a lot of people who just put out fake sites and fake platforms that collect wallet data and get you to authorize transactions so they can then pull um, stuff from your wallet um, and then there's more stuff here you can read through. Uh, hold on one second. Oops. All right, there we go. We're back. Make sure. Yeah, okay, we're back. Um, let me see. Planning your project. That's very important, right? So it goes through um, content and structure, IP and branding utility community building unregistered securities what those are and how to avoid being one um, these are very important things that you should be checking out 
um, on your own time. Let me go. Okay, how to mint. Um, minting is a process of placing a digital asset onto a certain blockchain, often after paying a gas fee, right? That pays for the block to be made on the chain and to list it for sale. This can be done through a custom smart contract, which is recommended, or a market platform such as Calamint, Rarible, and others. Um, some platforms are all open to, for anyone to mint, while others are exclusive to invitation, either by the platform themselves or another person already using it. Some platforms do not charge gas fees, while others do, and the type of crypto required for the gas fee depends on the blockchain used. So Ethereum for Super Rare, Tezos for Tea, etc., etc., right? And some platforms like Rarible offer multiple blockchain options where you can choose different, uh, you know, different blockchains to, to mint from, but it's still on their platform. Um, and it goes through the process here. Um, it also like the basic process of, of uh, using a market platform like Rarible. Um, it also gives a list of different market platforms on different blockchains and um, how you can get to them. And then I have a section here that I really encourage, you know, people who want to take the time to do this, go, I really encourage you to go through this section because you're going to have a field day with it. Um, making your own smart contracts. Now, <clears throat> I recommend at least everyone should understand how to read a smart contract of the platform that they're using so that they can uh, make sure that they understand what's happening and that they actually agree to everything that's being done uh, through the smart contract, especially if you're hiring someone to write your smart contract, you definitely want to be able to read it because people could put back doors, they could put different things into the contract so that they can actually take um, the money and or even the contract itself away from you and put it into their own wallet. So be very careful with things like that and make sure you're at least learning basic level, you know, things about how to read these contracts and how to read the blockchain. Um, so there's different ones here. We've got Solidity for Ethereum. We've got Rust for Solana, Lego and Michelson for Tezos, and Marlowe and Haskell for Cardano. Um, so depending on which blockchain you want, you can go check those out. There are others, obviously. Um, so I don't have those here yet. I'm still trying to find resources. Um, so I'll have them available soon. But those are the ones right now. And, and Honestly, that's quite a lot of information that should keep you busy for a long time if you go through all of it. Um, so, yeah. <clears throat> and the process continued. Once your NFT has been minted using the platform contract, uh, it will now be listed in the market. It, so this is just talking about um, after you've done it, you know, minted your NFT on the platform, you know, how it goes through like that. Um and let's move on here because you know we're gonna kind of short on time oops <clears throat> excuse me okay so legal info and remember this is not legal advice simply observations from my own research and it's recommended you seek the advice of a lawyer and um, that is familiar with web3 sorry <clears throat> had to get a drink of water real quick Okay. Smart contracts on NFT platforms are not legally binding contracts. I'm going to say that again. Smart contracts on NFT platforms are not legally binding contracts. An extra measure should be taken to legally protect your work. Get your trademarks. Get your contracts, your real contracts, all of it. 
get it signed, get it done, filed, then maybe even make it into an NFT. But make sure you're still doing it you know, the original legal way. Custom smart contracts are often made to list specific clarifications on what the purchased NFT can be used for by the collector. Using a platform to mint your NFT means you agree to, to their terms of service and terms of use. So it is highly recommended to print and save these at the time of minting to compare any changes in the future. Um, and that's if you're using a market platform, right? If you're if you're creating a smart contract yourself, you don't have to worry about that. Um, and we're going to continue on here, but I'm going to do a quick little break so I can go get some water. Um, I have a message here that I recorded. It's a little bit of a, like an ad kind of thing, but it's uh, it's more because I'm I'm trying to find people who are interested in working on this project with me. Um, you know, who are serious about building something real, something that actually is going to make an impact. Um, in communities let me pull this up i don't know why it's not popping up there we go okay let me see okay it's playing good good um this is the first time i'm doing something like this so give me a second here folks <laughs> are you an educator oops okay are you an educator musician artist dancer comedian or web3 enthusiast then contact us to be part of what will be one of the largest grassroots multi-metaversal projects in the Web3 space, Rhythm Mutant University. Pushing the limits of Web3 technology, RMU will provide free and equal access to education on a variety of subjects taught in 3D digital worlds where you can customize your avatar with exclusive RMU wearables and interact with staff and students from across the world. A new way to learn and experience Web3 while meeting new people. RMU, bringing the rhythm to the metaverse. RMU is not an accredited university. To contact, send an email to careers at rhythmmutant.university or contact at rhythmmutant.university. All right, so that was just a quick little ad kind of thing I'm, I'm trying out. <laughs> I'm trying a new thing here, folks. Um, and as I continue to make that better and make other ads and stuff, I do want to say that I will be opening up ad space um, for people who want to advertise on my podcast. Excuse me. Uh, who want to advertise on the podcast. So go ahead and send those in um, requests to, let's see, where can we send those in? Go to contact at web3webs.page or contact at expohiti.com, either one, and I'll get back to you. Um, or just, you know, send me a DM on my, my, my platform, whatever, you know, you, you know how to find me. <laughs> it's all there. Okay, so that's uh, RMU, a little bit message from there. Project I'm working on, I can't say too much about it, but um, very, very big project I'm working on. A lot of moving parts, so we need um, a lot of people on the team. So if you're interested in working on, you know, this project, let me know. All right, moving forward. How to market. And remember, I'm not like a marketing expert or anything like that. It's not like I have like the keys to like, oh, yeah, this is how you do it. No, this is just more like places to market and, and recommendations, you know, and how to do it. Um, so marketing yourself is absolutely necessary for success in this space. And the best way is through social media. Attending in-person events is usually the best way to create relationships and make sales. But because of the current state of the world, we must get more used to using technology to interact. Posting at least once a day across as many platforms as possible is highly recommended. 
Different social media platforms provide different services and features. Traditional marketing like TV, commercials, newspaper ads, billboards, etc., are now overpriced and often ineffective. So we've got like Clubhouse. Uh, Clubhouse used to be a much better resource than it is now, um, but it is actually starting to make a bit of a comeback since Twitter Spaces is falling off a bit. And we'll get into that. Oops, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, so Clubhouse has rooms of as few as two to as many as a few hundred people having discussions on various topics. One of the largest NFT communities on the social platform is on Clubhouse. And many clubs that are NFT oriented were, um, are on Clubhouse where people discuss the latest news as well as hold drop parties where people share you know, the new NFTs that they've released. Um, one of the communities I have listed on here is nfts.tips. They used to do a lot of stuff on here. They haven't been active very much lately, but I think they're starting to start have, uh, to have rooms again, so you can check them out. Uh, the Dream Conduit, they're still around. They've been active even during this bear market, so definitely look into them, the Dream Conduit. Um, some of the largest names in the NFT space host and are guests in these rooms, um, so definitely make sure you're making your way to them. Uh, go to clubhouse.com or just download it on your phone. Twitter, Twitter's the second largest community of NFTs. Um, Twitter Spaces is, well, actually, right now is probably the number one. You know, people have actually kind of moved off of Clubhouse a bit. Um, so Twitter Spaces is held by NFT producers and collectors, um, and other people obviously too, but for, for this space we're talking about, um, similar to the Clubhouse Rooms, a uh, very involved community, constantly sharing and retweeting each other's work, you know, so that's kind of the culture there that you're sharing and, and retweeting, um, and commenting, stuff like that. Um, oops. And then use two to five hashtags and posts, like, um, NFTs, NFT community, NFT collector, et cetera, et cetera. And I actually found out recently that you're supposed to add it into a secondary like uh, post underneath your first one. So like have your information um, and maybe like the image for your post in the first one. And then there's like a little plus button you can push to add like a second post below it. Do that. And then that's where you're gonna put your, your links and your hashtags and stuff. And that's a tip that I learned recently. So I'm gonna add that in there soon. Um, whoops, where are we, where are we at here? What happened? All right, gotta go back. See, I told you my thing here is just not working with me. Sorry about that. Okay. There we go. So that was uh, all the how to buy, how to mint, we're on how to market. Okay, so that was Clubhouse Twitter. We're on Facebook and Instagram now. Let me make sure I don't have any questions here. Let me read through. Okay, YouTube, no questions. Colin, no questions. All right, cool. So we've got Facebook and Instagram. Uh, largest social media platform, so there's more exposure if you play it smart, but there's not as big of an NFT community um, and on there, you know, but most people still have a Facebook. So, you know, there, there is groups. You can join groups with an NFT focus and share it in there if they allow it. Um, but ads for NFTs are not allowed on, on the platform, so, you know, you can't, like, pay for an ad, uh, but you can post about it. So it's, it's kind of, it's okay. It's not... It's not that great of a resource, but it's something, right? 
then you've got Discord. Um, a lot of projects use Discord as a way to bring their communities together. So it's used to create a social feed that only contains what you allow into the server. Very customizable, and you can even designate moderators and bots, such as me6.xyz, to maintain the space and keep it free of any spammers, or you can hire moderators. Um, great for keeping your community updated on what you have going on all in one place, separated into different categories. Um, but the, the user interfaces can be a little bit confusing and difficult to use at times um, for some people who are not like tech savvy or used to video games. So it may be a little bit difficult um, than to use in like other platforms, but it, it definitely is a great resource. And if you have some type of like um, you know, way to teach people how to use it who are coming into it, um, that would definitely be good. You know, have like a introductory section that teaches the different tips on how to, you know, uh, excuse me, how to protect yourself on Discord, stuff like that. Uh, all right, let's move forward. Metaverse. So the metaverse is the digital universe is a great way to think of it. <clears throat> um, the metaverse, right? So like it includes just about every digital space where people interact. With the arrival of Web3 and 3D digital spaces, many companies have created spaces within the metaverse, both centralized and decentralized, where you can create digital avatars that represent you and interact in their created social environments and games. Um, when speaking about the metaverse, people often make distinctions between different platforms as if they're, you know, own individual metaverses, uh, right? They're like, oh, I'm building a metaverse. Uh, but when in actuality, they're all a part of one singular metaverse, and that's the idea of the metaverse theory. Um, each platform is only a particular space or world within the metaverse, right? And there is a big distinction also between the centralized and the, uh, the decentralized metaverse. Um, we're mostly, we're, we're actually referring to the decentralized metaverse when we're speaking here. So there is a section here on the centralized metaverse. Uh, the best example of a centralized part of the metaverse would be Meta, right, or Facebook before the name change. Uh, they control everything that happens in their space and collect and sell the data on the users within it. Because users have no real say in the operations of their space, it's centralized to Meta and any decisions they make unilaterally. So having a centralized metaverse space can have its benefits, but in general, giving too much control to a central entity can lead to abuse of that space and all the data within it. So being too centralized also results in security risks because everything is in a central location instead of being spread across a network like a decentralized blockchain where it, you know, it becomes basically impossible for someone to, you know, be able to access that information. Uh, we've got social metaverses. Um, some metaverse spaces are built with the intention of being a social space for people to interact, have events, and exchange information. Uh, networking, right? This is a great way to meet new people and even spend time with people across the world. Most often, social metaverses are in a 2D space, uh, like Facebook, Instagram, Clubhouse. These are examples of 2D, you know, metaverse spaces. But now, with Web3, we can or Web2, excuse me, Web, Facebook, Instagram, and Clubhouse are examples of Web2 spaces. Um, but now with Web3, we can have decentralized 3D social spaces using VR and AR. Uh, so one example that's pretty popular in the NFT community right now is CryptoVoxels. 
CryptoVoxels is a free-to-use social metaverse space that you can use on a computer, phone, or VR device. You can attend digital art galleries, concerts, parties, and even digital shops. They also have plots of digital land available for sale so that you can create your own spaces, but they do have a free space option available. It's just not listed on their main map. Um, and you don't, and there is limitations to the size and everything like that. So um, you can go to the link there if you want to go check them out. And Metaverse Art Galleries, I still have to update this a little bit more because I have changed some of the information. Um, but many Metaverse spaces have the capability of creating a gallery for art or music events, and some focus on this specifically, right? Um, one that has been a main focus on that, but has started to expand into other things now is Spatial IO, which is actually where the project that I was uh, talking about in the recent advertisement is based in. Um, there's also Muse.Place. There's many, many others that I'm actually going to be adding in here very soon. Um, but those are the ones specifically from for Metaverse Art Galleries. Another one is on Cyber. You can check that one out too. Um, let's see here. So those are social metaverses. We've also got gaming metaverses, ones that are specifically for gaming. Um, and there is other ones that I want to add in here that have come out recently as well. So we'll go through these first. Um, the gaming metaverse uh, space seems to be fueling adoption of NFTs with the introduction of play to earn, like Axie Infinity and other Web3 games. But that that concept has um, need has been has proven to need some adjustment because it's it's kind of lost its uh sparkle i guess you could say um and other web through games uh, so some spaces in the metaverse allow you to purchase land that you can build your own games and digital experiences in some spaces like sandbox have big companies like ubisoft and atari purchasing large plots of land to build on so they're they're building something right they're planning something big here um so we've got Sandbox is a slightly, oh, excuse me, Decentraland first we'll go through. We've got Decentraland, which I absolutely do not like. <laughs> it's one of the largest metaverse spaces in Web3. It has many social aspects, but also the capability to build games. Most of the plots have been sold in the secondary market. Plots um, available are extremely expensive. And honestly, it's, it's very, um, it's very uh, gate-kept. Right, so the users, uh, the people who've created the platform and run it, um, they are very like they're gatekeepers. You know what that means, right? They're they're very. Um, I don't want to be too. They don't really take part in the community well. Let's say that, right? Um, so yeah, that's just my opinion. Obviously, do your research. Blah blah blah. Okay, sandbox. <laughs> a slightly cheaper option than Decentraland and still has an amazing quality space uh, that even has plots being purchased by big names like Snoop Dogg, Ubisoft, and Atari, right? Um, and, you know, it does have a little bit more of gamification functions than Decentraland. Um, and Decentraland is also quite expensive to be minting in. So, it's, yeah, right. So uh, check that one out. There's also Play to Earn Gaming, um, still working on that section, but there's there is other um gaming metaverses right there's uh ufo which is the dark metaverse um that is specifically for gaming there's also um let's see there's also gala games gala games is a, a gaming studio that actually is creating you know a space that you can build stuff in and it, it, it's pretty pretty nice the games that are coming out of there um 
So yeah, look into that one. All right. That's the metaverse right now. I, again, I'm still working on that section. I'm going to be adding a lot more because I've been diving deep into that space uh, lately. But we'll go forward with the closing thoughts here. So you set the value of your NFT. Don't sell yourself short. That's a big point I want to, to make, right? Because um, a lot of times people will try to say, oh, you should put your NFT at this price. Or um, I would have bought your NFT if it was at this price. Uh, and you hear that a lot in the space. And I, even recently, quite, uh, you know, quite ironically, there was a room um, called, you know, Wales. What was it like? Whale, whale watch or something like that, right? The guy was saying that the people who are running the room are whales because they're buying a bunch of people's um, NFTs and, and they're just buying so many NFTs, you know, that, right? We talked about the term whales. That's someone who, who owns large portion of the asset. Uh, and yeah, the funny thing is they were convincing people. Well, it's not really funny, I guess. They're they're convincing people to lower their prices, right? They were convincing people like, oh, you know, this piece at, at 20 Tezos, I, I would buy it if it was one Tezos. And if you know anything about Tezos right now, the price of Tezos is right around a dollar. So yeah, they're trying to get people's art that they've worked very hard on for a dollar and then calling themselves whales yeah <laughs> that's that's quite a joke there all right um but don't sell yourself short folks you know if you feel like you need to sell your art or your whatever it is at a certain price that's what you need to do um the possibilities are endless right this is a new industry that is still developing and new things are coming out every day so no one is really an expert in this space um, and I say that constantly. I say it all the time because people kind of get on their high horse and, oh, look at me. I've been in this for two years. I've been in this for three years. I, would, uh, da, 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 da. I know how to write smart contracts, so I'm an expert. But I'm sorry, but no, you're not because I guarantee you something's going to come out tomorrow to make you look like a novice, right? Like, that's just how this space moves. Um, and that's not to scare anybody. That's just to say, hey, you know, we're going to continue learning here. And that's what life is about, right? Just keep learning every, every day. That's what else? Like, I don't know, man. I think that's that's something we should all strive to do, in my opinion. Uh, that's just a side note. So, all right. This is the perfect opportunity to let your imagination run wild and give value to your creations. And also because these presentations are free, it's my hope that you continue to share them for free and not charge others for the information you learned here. Thank you very much. Um, and I have extra resources here available. So like if you really want to go down the rabbit hole and get tons and tons and tons of information about Web3, um, there's a link here to a16z.com. That's a16z.com. So a16z.com. And this is by Andreessen Horowitz. Um, and wow, 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 is this just incredible. There's jobs, there's articles, focus areas, all kinds of stuff on Web3. Um, so you can spend hours and hours and days and days going through this stuff. Um, of course, the presentations that I made are a more compressed version of information I've gathered from that and other resources um, in my own time in this industry. So, you know, just go ahead and go through that first and that's why i provided that at the end um so thank you for listening that you know going through all this stuff with me um if you want to have any 
extra, you know, stuff beyond that. I do have consultations, stuff like that. You can contact me at uh, contact at web3webs.page or contact at expohithi.com or just find me on social media, send me a DM, you know, or find me in the spaces or clubhouse and talk to me there. All right. Got to get going. I got a meeting here. Thank you all for listening. Take care. Please make sure you're liking, sharing, subscribing, all that good stuff. We're going to be back here on Monday, same time, 10 a.m. Central. I did start a little bit late today because I had to get everything set up. Um, but you know, we're shooting for 10 a.m. So come back Monday, 10 a.m. Central time um, to get the next episode. For what is it? Let's see. Yeah, we should be having uh, Anointed Steps coming back. Uh, so that's going to be great. And anything else I need to say here? I think. No, that's it. Just uh, yeah, shout out to you know all the people who are working with me right now on Project RMU. I'm excited for that. So anybody else interested, link in with me and let's keep it going. Um, all right, everybody. I'm gonna head out here. My my avatar in spatial is gonna do a little dance on the way out. So thank you all for <laughs> uh for hanging out and listening. And all right. Peace out, everyone. Have a great weekend. Happy New Year's. Take care.